nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun packed thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name's Paul Carmichael and I've had a cold, haven't I? Oh, yeah. and I woke up with it today thanking you. Right, well, I I am thanking the gentleman from whom I was awarded it. Patient Zero. Uh, yes, patient bastard. Yeah. Honest to God. Oh, I, I really don't need it right now. Uh, oh, it's the worst... I think this is possibly the worst time in my professional life so far to get a cold. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's quite I something, don't... isn't it? It's amazing. And the thing is, it's beautiful out there. I mean, yeah. I presume that you're watching this on Sunday. Hello. Uh, and so hopefully it's beautiful where you are. It's beautiful here after a wonderful thunderstorm last night. Did you enjoy the thunderstorm? Oh, I just watered all the plants because... Yes, I had to. This week has been spent... It's just because I couldn't be asked walking to the toilet. Um... No, um, yeah. So you can't think. But this week yeah. has been um, really good for like tightening up on the housework, as uh, the Sultans of Ping FC, I think, sang. Very early. What's this sing. that they do? Are they are they punching people? It's just people? like doing shit in it. Like I suppose it, it's uh, it represents lifting weights. This is the international sign for doing shit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is now. <laughs> we'll adopt it. Um, so the yarden is finished. Excellent. And and then on <coughs> yesterday morning, thankfully before the thunderstorm and before the cold set in, Ooh. the um, the guttering got done at the front of the house and the drain yes. pipe. Yeah. Which and I've that- realised this week, Mark's mentorship scheme has a, another strategy that I hadn't picked up on. Mm, go on, explain this, because this, oh, right. this is a work of genius. I this think. is a work of genius, this. So last week, if you recall, we were discussing how he'll start a job and then you'll watch, and then he'll bugger off and do another job and not come back, and, yeah. you, and you have to finish it. Yes, unless yeah. you Unless you want to live amongst bags of sand and stuff for the rest of your life. Yeah. This week, we were in the shop buying things. What were we buying? I wanted a grow bag trough. <laughs> to put my grow bag on. Because okay. tomato zone is set up. Right. I'd got the grow bag. Yeah. I'd got uh, the plants gifted, yeah. thankfully, right. from uh, John and Doreen down in mm. Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and I, I put the tomato zone together, and it was like, now you put the grow bag tray down. I was like, oh, there's no grow bag tray in here. So the other day was spent on a search of all the shops to find a grow bag tray. Now, they had an empty shelf in Wilco, £4.50 for one. Right. I was like, that damn it. I found one yeah. on Amazon anyway, £9 odd. Mm. Bought it. Uh, worth it Um, so as we were going round he said oh you need uh, let's get some of that the pink stuff it's called it's made by Star Drops do you remember Star Mm. Drops I think so yeah it used to be a really cheap TV advert um, on when we were kids and it's like why am I so starry eyed was was, there a little animated sort of droplet yeah yeah. wearing dungarees not sure about that. I can't Definitely, that yeah, much. go on. So go Star on. Drops make this stuff called the pink stuff, and it's a, a tub of pink stuff that you get a wet cloth, and it takes all the gunk off UPVC windows and all kinds of other jobs, right? So anyway, it was round. This was Monday, and uh couldn't get the grow bag trough. Uh, I wanted a telly putting on the wall, so we did that. Um, and then <clears throat> all that pink stuff. So he's like... As I was getting things together to give to him to leave, he brings tools and things with him. I was bringing, getting his stuff together to put in his car. I notice 
he's at the front of the house and he started cleaning the window and he did about a one foot section of the window and it was gleaming and leaving the rest of it looking like you know it had been at the bottom of the sea because of green moss and stuff right and it was like i can't leave that now so i sort of encouraged him and stuff hoping he'd stay and finish the whole I mean, it's a bloody big bay window yeah yeah i was hoping he'd finish the job but uh no 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 so it was kind of like shit so i had to do it so once right. i once i'd cleaned the bay window i was like oh, i can't believe it. it took ages but it looks great yeah then i noticed all the weeds around the bottom of the bay window so i had right. you got you seen them wire brushes on sticks you get oh yes yeah yeah scraped all that yeah. And then I noticed the drain pipe and the guttering around the bay was, it looked like it had been at the bottom of the sea. You know what I mean? It looked right. like Jacques Cousteau had, had, you know, brought it to the surface. Yes. So then it's like, well, now everything's spick and span. It's highlighted the fact that this is horrible. Mm. So, so there you go. His, his, his other thing is, it's not just oh, can you do this job for me? Then you end up finishing off. It's also, he decides that jobs need doing. Yes. Starts them and then buggers off. That's clever. I know what you need. <sighs> That's you need. enterprising, that, isn't That's it? Lord Sugar would be impressed with that. He'd be hired. So Saturday morning was spent doing the guttering, which Mark did, more or less, from beginning to end. Oh, okay. There was a little payoff. There was a right. little, little Brucey bonus there. And, and he did a bloody good job, I have to say. Excellent, that's good. But so it's I, been a lot of DIY for you then. It has. Yes. Ugh. There was a part I've of got, this story. Is what, What's that? I don't know. Buggered if I know what it is. Either. No, I've, I, I have to. See, it's a nice day, but I've got to, I've got to fix the dishwasher later. Oh. oh, no. Now, that's a problem, isn't it? Because that's drains, which, uh, you know, just pipes. Fair enough, I can cope with pipes. Apart you from the one on Ghostwatch. Yes. <laughs> We yes. used to have, I used to have a mate, rest in peace, Noggy, lovely guy, right? And if someone said something like joint or pipes or something like that, it was just like, you said joint. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Beavis and Butthead in that regard. Excellent. But, so, but there are, every time there are pipes says, involved. Every time someone says pipes, it's like, yeah. you said pipes. And... and Poor old Noggy's been, uh, he left us, oh God, 1997? Oh God. 36 years ago. And funnily enough, when I put the telly up, I've been clearing the loft out, mm. right? And I've been really quite brutal with where I've slung away. Oh. Uh, not quite a dirt bogard where he burnt all his personal correspondence and photos no. when he was 50. Uh, no. And I found my old weed tin. Oh, Get on that. Oh, that's a lovely design on that. It's a, a little candle tin. Mm. And uh, yeah, the amount of... This never left my side. This was in my pocket for many years. There you go. And the t and the lid doubled as an ashtray. There you go. Oh, stuff. Glastonbury Tor, Stonehenge. Oh. You know, Weatherspoons. Everywhere it should have been. Aside from the Weatherspoons, you'll think. Well, of course. But also, Whereas, I found yeah. that flattened. Yeah, I haven't got that. The Three Doctors Special Edition. So I took the car and the DVD out many years ago yeah. and then found the box and reconstituted it on the inside with some cardboard, as you can mm. see. So oh, I, didn't, I didn't chuck that in the tip. No, that's good. So it wasn't like a, a mass destruction of your property, like my mother undertook of my stuff it, about three it, years it ago when she moved quite, house. Not that it, I'm It bitter. was that, 
It all had right. to, there was so much that had to go. As right. I think we discussed this the other week, those emotional landmines that you have lying around. Yeah, and yeah, they like, do have to occasionally. You'll go looking for summer and it's just like you'll unearth somewhere else and you're like, oh, I can't be uh -huh. That's a day now thinking about that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All, all gone. Bye. Wow. I, I admire that. I admire that. Had to that. do it. Is that, I, I don't know, is that because you, you know, you're used to the idea of the confessional and purging yourself, Probably. Whereas, I, whereas I have to hold on to things and feel bad about I've them. Hold on to, I've held on to stuff for a very long time. Hmm. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I'm, I, it's just because I'm always moving stuff. You might notice that Ineas moved round again. It has, hasn't it? That yeah. printer wasn't there, was no, it? No, no, no. Last night I was fucked after doing the guttering and this yeah. cowed starting. Yeah, and so I decided to push a giant sideboard across the room and d carry that <laughs> coffee table upstairs and, and stuff. It's this strange thing, isn't it? The way you feel like you must cause mm. yourself pain. I don't understand it. I've got a cold, so I'm going to push furniture. It happened, when I, was it, it happened when I was around about 30 and then to a greater extent when I was 40. It's like, I, I, I wish I could sit still and just do nothing. I can't. Right. Well, you, no, but when you've got a cold, you can. That's allowed. Oh, it it would be allowed if we didn't have so much work to do, dear. Yeah, there is that, isn't there? Isn't there? Anyway, but yes, yeah, so there is a lot of work to do. Dishwasher. So, Sorry uh, about uh, that diversion. No, no, that's lovely. Um, but and yeah, whenever you say, pipes may make you think of that. To me, it means ghost watch, and therefore, no, wrong, fear. Uh, Mr. Is that Pipes. a ghost watch, Mr. Pipes? Yeah, that's the name of the ghost, isn't it? Pipes. Is I don't know. I've never watched it. Really? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't watch it at the time. I think I was, like, too... It Drunk. Was that, it was that... Yeah. It was that little period, wasn't it, between being a, at school? Yeah. Uh, and, well, if you can call well, this being a grown-up. It was a no, uh, 92. Yeah. That was, so, yeah. That was but, just in uh, that sweet spot for me. I was 19. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's perfect then. But no dishwasher. Um, so I don't know what I'm doing. So I've bought a thing off Amazon. Right. And it's like it's like a wire, but it's a stiff wire. So it can go round things, but it stays quite stiff. Ooh, and I think uh. it's... Uh, so I think that's for shoving down things again. Um, so I'm going to do that. I don't know what I'm doing at all, but I mm. do think that the dishwasher is the one appliance I can't live without. I just can't. I Aren't they refuse to. Bugles, them stick things. I've no idea. Yeah, they've got a name like that. The you can use them also for cleaning the drain holes in sports cars. That it's that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm going to I'm going to shove my bugle down the hole yes. and see if I can sort it. But um, because my first instinct was to go right. Well, it's fucked. I shall get a new one. And then I thought. Well, should so I it's try? just blocked up with bits of food or something? No, I don't know. Um, the last time this happened was all to do with the, the aesthetic caused the problem because the dishwasher was sticking out a bit and I didn't like that. So I sort of rammed it up against the wall as hard as I could and forgot that there's a pipe coming out the back for the actual drainage. Um, so consequently, nothing could get out and the pump basically exploded. Mm. Um, I'm worried that may have happened again. But rather than just assume that and immediately buy a new one, yeah, I thought no. Let's try and fix it. We'll see what happens. There'll be an exciting update next week. Should I survive? Is that this afternoon's job then? Well, it, partly. Apart from all the work. Ooh. Oh yeah, we've got we so much to do. 
I know. I just, uh, I, you said it right last night when you sent that message. I was like, that's right, that is. Uh, what was it now? You, uh, you put it in a nutshell. Uh, and and, and I, I can imagine even though you may have been sat alone, it was delivered kind of um, like Dame Diana Rigg just sat there. on a Oh, sofa. to audience, this would have yeah. been. This was potentially yeah. a camera three, I suppose. Even though potentially you were alone, doesn't yeah. matter. yeah. Uh, what did, did I say? Let me find it. It was Go on, then. It was yeah. actually when I read it, I thought that's that's how I feel. Yes, oh, that's um, good. when I decided to start moving furniture around. <laughs> yeah, I don't think either of us could say we were ecstatic about this, could we? But you know, it has to be done. Oh, gold! Where is this thing? Yeah. We send each other a lot of shit, don't we? We do. We do constantly. I think it's just um, ah yeah. Here we go. Mm. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. So imagine Dame Diana, maybe as uh, the Lady of Charlotte or something oh, in, in yeah. the big Coleridge poem. Mm. You know, in a, in a, I was going to say Matthew then. In a, 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 is it John Waterhouse who paints all those? Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So <coughs> you're lying there on your boat thing. Uh, I think after the last few weeks, I've very little left to give. <laughs> no, I mean that. I, I mean that. I'm I, so, I, I, I'm so dumb. I thought I'm you nailed abs- that. Absolutely knackered. I mean, they have been mad because uh, well, this week I had uh, that play on about Abba Van. Finally, yeah, that's which was uh, which, which was a stunning success. I was very happy with my cast uh, uh, at the end, and I thought, oh, we're going to get a little something, am I? And I did. Um, what they've been doing for the past year is basically spying on me and taking inappropriate photographs of me, and they've made a, a card of them, which is awfully good of them. Here's one of me passed out unconscious. Um, yeah, the uh, lovely thing about you. that is that they've all written in it as well, haven't they? They have, yeah, which is which is lovely. But uh, no, I got lovely... trapped. Yeah, I got trapped during the ceremony. You did. I was, I was like, I'm going to make a dart out of the theatre here and just get away. Yeah. Um, and and I, I got trapped behind them all. I was like that. Huh? And it's oh, like yes. you're at someone's party. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that was great. No. You were edging along the, edging along the I wall. Was, I was just like, out. oh. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And people <laughs> saying nice stuff. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> you know I what I mean? I, there's a 12-month <laughs> process here. Mm. It's just culminated, and I'm stood there just like that. Oh, oh it was I'm not fine. A student. I didn't have you anything disappeared to do. like a phantom into the night. Well, thankfully, it's they fine. all moved forward to give you the card, and I was just like, oh. out you go. No, oh, absolutely. That was, I, I'm, I'm blushing here. Mm. Thank God. <laughs> thank God I got away in time. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a lovely thing. You know, when you actually get to work with a group of students who, who really care about a subject, and mm. the whole thing with Abba Van, it's one of those weird things, isn't it? Where you, everyone knows the basics. Big old load of coal fell on a school. But then you look mm. into it. And th- for me, the most shocking thing is always going to be the fact that you've got people... Uh, compensation for losing a child was 50 quid. If your child died, you got 50 quid. If you were deemed to be grieving enough. But if they didn't think you were grieving enough, then they would lower the amount. And there's a bloke who was interviewed... Um, uh, Huey for, Green's uh, Griefometer. That's the sort of thing, yeah. Well, there's a chap who's interviewed, um, and uh, he's he's asked, you know, well, where are your children? And he goes, oh, well, my uh, my my uh, son, he's back at home with my wife. But uh, and then he looks at the screen, he went, my daughter's under there, so I'll just get on. 
and then he turns back and he's digging. And the poor bastard's obviously in shock, as you would be. And that was used as evidence to show that, well, you weren't grieving, were you? You were being quite compassmentous, so you didn't get a penny for his child dying. Um, and then the, the people of Aberfan, naturally, they wanted these bloody great big mountains that could fall on them at any minute. There were eight of them. Number seven fell down, but there were another seven there. And they wanted the removing. And the government said, right, OK, that'll be three quarters of a million pounds, please. And they were made to pay for it. I know themselves. that was that when, just... when that when that was in the play the other night because it's a detail I didn't know. Yeah, it's it was just staggering like, when you hear yeah. that sort of thing. It took till nineteen ninety seven for them to get refunded. Which, to be fair, before they went mad, I think it was one of the first actions of the Blur government. So before it all went tits up. When sorry, you broke up then. It was, it was. Oh, sorry. I think it's. Uh, it was what they they compensated them for that. And it was one of the first actions of the Blur government before oh, they I went see. mad. Right. Okay. So, um, but yeah, it was a, a fascinating piece to work on and learn about, and just like, oof, yeah, proud of mm. that this week. But would like to stop working now for a long time, please. No. And just watch the telly. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, to the point, to the extent where. I'm still only, I think, six in on V Batalt de Vierman. Yes. Which is. Uh, oh, we've got different oh, you've covers. Got a different cover. So you must have a more recent version, uh, a more uh, sure. up to date version. Mine it looks is... like it was done on a bloody inkjet, mine. Oh, yeah, mine, mine doesn't uh, uh, look brilliant. It's the Netherlands, isn't it? What are the um, discs like on yours? Uh, the discs, here they are. So they're the same. Same disc, but uh, yeah, just a, a redesign of the television hit van 1978 Vahil Nederland vor Tulem Bivlief, which is good, isn't it? Well, uh, I know what uh, Spiel all means now. Right, I know that from the Avengers. Go on. Play, play uh, all. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, play all on the disc. But you told me to buy the Dutch one. You said the picture quality was better. Picture quality is a lot better. It's uh, a strange be one, this, mm -hmm. because... Uh, my preconceptions, my mm -hmm. expectations, rather, were not good. Mm. Uh, my only experience, really, of Jack Headley, uh, until I remembered he was in cold, it's mm. remembered that this week. But my mm. only experience of him is he's some lord or other in... Mm, too ill uh, to think. 1986 only fills an horse's Christmas special, and it's not a good one. Well, it wouldn't be, would it? Uh, uh, no, but it's not a good one. Anyway, he's in that. So I didn't really know if he had leading man material. Mm. Uh, I actually bought it just for more Stefan Griff. Yes. That's what I wanted. But he's not um, Karaskis. No, he, no, I got that he's wrong. The major. He's not. Yeah. And he's got no tash and he doesn't wear the shades. and No. It doesn't no. have the philosophy that Karaskis. Is it Karaskis or Karaskis? yeah. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, there we are. Stefan oh, Griff, Alston Major. Yes. Krasakis. And what I loved about that, the scenes with him and Ian Hendry, mm. there was sort of like, because we're talking about the home of philosophy, the cradle of civilization, yes. uh, a land of myth and legend. Mm. And uh, Krasakis, or Kraska, I can't remember. He often went into those philosophical chats, mm. didn't he, with, yeah. with Ian Hendry? So there's none of that. Uh, one bonus that I hadn't expected was Neil McCarthy. Yes. And it's very interesting with him, isn't it? Because despite him having, uh, what is it, acromalogy? Is it pronounced that way? Yeah, so he looks a little bit primeval. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, 
acromegaly, whatever it's called. So the the bones in his face and his hands and feet didn't stop Mm. growing. Yeah. But the thing about Neil McCarthy, it made sense insta, uh, because he was educated at Trinity College Dublin. I always remember this. There was a great interview on the Cat Weasel Series 1 set. Mm. And uh, you know Bud Tingwell, who plays the farmer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Aussie. Um, he says in that how, you know, it's like you saw this guy who had hands like shovels, mm. but he'd sit there and he'd play like all the Schubert and Brahms on the piano because he's an amazing pianist. And he did say in that that he was a fluent French, Latin and Greek speaker. Mm. So it's just like, what? You know, oh. Lenny yeah. in the Steptone Sun film. Uh, you know. But so he's, he's a wonderful actor, McCarthy, isn't he? He's just, whatever he does... He brings this absolute conviction when he's in the mind of evil and he's playing someone who ends up with the mind of a child, but he just plays it so straight. Mm. And all of a sudden then, it, it's a similar thing to him suddenly sitting down and playing the shoe, but when he does that, you've got this hulk of a man. You feel nothing but sympathy for him. He brings out these sort of, uh, this need to parent almost. Mm. It's just just a lovely, subtle actor, really, which is yeah. remarkable considering how he was. It's yeah. just, but he's a w- wonderful, wonderful. He, he is great, and um, I'm trying to remember her name, uh, Anita. Oh, the Greek actress. Uh, in this, yeah, the main lady. This is unforgivable. I have to Google it. Betty of uh, Betty Betty of Aveniti. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what did I say? Um, so something else. I, oh, knocking everything over. I'm so hot. Sorry. So hot and so full of cold. Um, she's hot, full great. of cold. No trousers on. Yeah, no. she's brilliant. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And it features another sort of seventies um, TV matriarch. Yeah, who's who? Mm. You would not want to muck around with her. Oh no, absolutely not. So no, this it's a brilliant series. I think it's just the music. The music, but that title sequence where you see a wreath. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this is because it's people in middle age as such. Mm. Jack yes. Headley and Anita's yeah. characters. And you mm. see this wreath get chucked on, which I'm sh- I'm presuming is emblematic of his wife dying. Mm. And then the wreath rots away. Yeah. But then it starts growing again mm-hmm. as if things are coming back to life and life's starting up again. That's and it. it's a great title sequence and one you wouldn't see nowadays. Mm. Uh, I don't think they think about things that much, but in that in that title sequence, it's actually telling you everything that's going to happen in the series. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah, sets yeah. everything up perfectly. The whole storyline is there in it because it is. It's about death and rebirth, essentially. Um, as you go with the ferryman over the river, you know it, it's oh, it, it's wonderful. You do sort of. We are sort of getting that a little bit back with title sequences, which is thanks to um, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's because true. That's true. That but that's sequence. very literal. It is. That, oh, yeah, it's I'm very not... very literal. Whereas yeah. that, it suits it suits the uh, t- timbre of the series because it's it's real... Um, it's symbolism. It's, do you get oh, what I mean? No, it absolutely is. But I think what I mean is that we went through a period for a while where, you know, when, when everything was being credit squeezed and all mm, that sort of stuff, dreadful. and basically, can we ruin the end of this programme somehow? Um, the ultimate will always be. Um, <coughs> when the BBC did Casanova in 2005, uh, Russell T. Davis did Casanova as a three-parter. David Tennant, before he was Doctor Who, Peter his Ulton. first... 
first big starring role, Peter O'Toole as the older Casanova. And then the closing moments are beautiful. You've got O'Toole dying, and he delivers these last couple of lines as he reminisces about when he was a young man. And you get this slow mix, and there's David Tennant as the young him in this courtyard, waltzing in the middle of Vienna. And it's beautiful. Credit squeeze on EastEnders tonight. There's Phil Mitchell screaming bright red whilst, th- whilst they're still waltzing. Criminal. That was the last time I think I phoned the duty office and gave someone hell. Because I just thought that is so... It it ruined it. It yeah. ruined it. It just like the emotion had built up and you just needed that to sweep through, come to the end, and you go, that was beautiful. You didn't get that experience. You got Phil Mitchell shouting, common. No. no. That's awful. I, yes. I've, told, I've told you this before when you brought this series up, but it's worth mm. remembering um, and worth repeating. They filmed O'Toole, the scene you're on about mm. and all O'Toole's stuff at Norton Priory here in mm. Runcorn, uh, where I believe they're about to perform some Shakespeare. We shall return to that subject. Um, we will. And all the crew loved him yeah. because he was getting them crates of beer every night. <coughs> Yeah. As soon as finishing stopped, here you go, lads. And it's oh. just like stacks of booze for them. So, of oh. course, during the shoot, it's like, Mr. O'Toole, can we do the... Do you need this, Mr. O'Toole? Da, 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 da. And I'm presuming he was like that throughout his career. I hope he was. There's a wonderful clip I found this week. I must send it to you of him on... I think he's being interviewed on the Johnny Carson show over in the States. Yeah, and he gets, he gets the big American introduction. Peter O'Toole! And he comes in on a camel. Uh, and he's there with the cigarette holder in the suit, just like, you know, looking at the crowd as well. And he's on a bloody camel in the studio. And they bring him a stepladder. And, he, you know, he looks as though he's getting on a bit already, and he would have been. They're bringing him a stepladder, and he just waves them away. Swings his lead over and just drops down. Opens a can of beer, gives it to the camel, who immediately swigs it. And then he's just, like, <laughs> patting the camel. Good lad. And then sits down for his... It's just... Oh, genius. Beautiful, man. A man, to whom, uh, a man to whom hum- humility would not have come easily. Oh, no. No, no, no. But a man... You, have you read about him from a political point of view? The, the cur. He was a massive environmentalist. Well, massive um, animal rights. A huge on animal rights, Peter. That's why I give the camel beer. Absolutely, well, let's look after the camel, which is quite right. Um, it's just stunning, Peter O'Toole. And that last film, I think it was one of his last films, Venus, which is him and Leslie Phillips, um, yes. and he falls in love with a very young Jodie Whittaker. And immediately you go, she would have been in her 20s at the time. He was well into his 70s. And you think, oh, this is going to be a bit weird. It's not. It's it's a romance. It's not It's not sex. It's not a thing like that. It's a romance film about two people who have this remarkable connection. It's just that they're at, they're at um, opposite ends of their lives. And that's yeah. the tragedy of the romance there. But it's, oh, I'd recommend that film to anybody. Plus Leslie Phillips. What was it's... that dreadful sitcom with Anton Rogers? Wasn't it called May to December? Yes. Yes, it was. Anton Rogers made that. some real crap, didn't he? Oh, terrible. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because he could do some brilliant stuff. Oh, he's a fantastic actor. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a wonderful series, which is the, the ultimate in men shouting at each other over a table. The organisation. Yeah. Starring Peter Egan and Anton Rogers. And um, that's just six episodes of men shouting at each other. But in this dialogue that's almost Pinter, it makes no sense, this series. By the end of each episode, you're going, I don't know what that was about, that one. 
but it was no. good. It was men shouting about things. Well, he's um, um, he pops in very briefly. He's on screen for about three seconds and carry on cruising. Ooh. Comes in to see the ship's doctor and oh, oh, you've got this. Oh, Kenneth Connor's telling him he's got a spotty tongue and oh, 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 and then he runs out, thinking he's dying. Ah, right. But um, May to December, yeah. that was. Crap. I think if you've got a series where one of your leads leaves after two series, you take that as a sign. Okay, well, let's get it in someone who doesn't look like her and do another four. Well, there was personally. some real crap. I mean, Freshfields was crap enough. But then Frenchfields, Frenchfields. is super crap. Oh, then yeah. May to December is dreadful. And Awful. even poor old James Bolam is not exempt with this. Second thoughts. Him and Linda Bellingham. Ooh. Oh, Thames Television, when they went through that horrible thing of, should we do lots of sitcoms that are sort of, like, not funny? So, There's a oh. really cosy one with Nigel Havers as well, where him and his dad are doctors. Ah, uh, Don't Wait Up. Oh, that one makes me. That makes me cross. The theme tune to May to December used to make me really angry. Hmm. It, like like the theme tune does to that fucking would would you, would I lie to you? Which I can't cope with that. I still can't. And now that I've realised it makes me angry, I can't have it on. I oh. I literally. But the kids like watching it, so I've got to sit there and just very carefully fast forward so I can avoid the music. And I've worked out now where the camera shot happens as the theme music ends. I can hit it, which is. Yeah. But that angers me. That's just the wrong theme music. Completely wrong. Yeah. Just, Stupid! It's like if you had University Challenge. What do we use for this? Thrash metal? Yeah, go on. Why not? That'll fit. Absolute yeah. oh bullshit. Yeah, I hate but that. There was a rash of those poo sitcoms anyway. Oh, what, awful! What's your opinion on Three Up, Two Down? Love the theme music. Genuinely yeah. love the, the old, theme but music. But it's old, that isn't it. No, it was written for the show. Was it really? It was. It was written for the show. And I was. And we're talking mid 80s. So I don't understand why that didn't get a lovely seven inch single release. Because you'd think it would have done. Everything did at that time. But three of two down did that. Angela Thorne, Michael Elphick, Lisette Anthony. And is it Ray Burkis, the other Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was. Who did lots of Thames stuff in the late 70s playing a yobbo. Uh, yeah, there was a few of those actors around who were like that kind of thing, weren't they? Yeah, he's, he's know, a Nazi in an episode of The Tomorrow People where they bring yeah, Hitler I can back see to that. life. Um, I so, can see that. But uh, yeah, no, I hated everything about that apart from Lizette Anthony, who I thought was like... Oh. <sighs> but then you get older and you notice Angela Thorne and you're like, oh. Well, that's it. I can, um, suddenly... I can see what the old Elphick was up to, you know yeah. what I mean? That's it. Suddenly you've got a whole smorgasbord of ladies. Well, he just so... hung around getting pissed in her kitchen, didn't he? Mm. And wore her down. Basically, yeah, that was the storyline. It was just a man basically co- committing some sort of coercive control act, I think. Yeah. Well, my, my, mom, um, my mom had this boyfriend, the man they call Barry. Mm. Um, and then she broke up with him, but he still come round every day. Yeah. Parked his bike in the garden and mm. sat on a stool in the kitchen drinking cans of Oast House bitter from Quicksave. Uh huh. So even though she'd split up with him, he was just like, I'm still coming round every day and getting pissed in your kitchen. He'd been watching Three Up Two Down, hadn't he? Ah, uh, that's what it was, you see. No, there were, there were so many of those and they were shit. It's like, I don't know why I have such a lot. in your kitchen. That sort of thing. And also shit sitcoms made by Thames and, and BBC. And I don't know why, but for some reason, after Henry, I love. Yeah, I was going to say the one notable exception. That's because it was a Radio 4 comedy first, though, wasn't it? 
It was, but interestingly, the Thames version is funnier than the Radio 4 one, because that's played as a drama. Mm. Which, even though it was out, it went out in the comedy slot and all that, and it is a comedy show, it's very much a drama programme. And then Thames basically just took those scripts and put them in front of an audience and then said to Joan Sanderson, go for it. And if you told Joan Sanderson to go for it, my God, she would. So um, that last series of After Henry um, was brought forward um, because Sanderson knew she was dying. Um and realised she wouldn't be around that long. So they, instead of having the usual nine months production break, they had a two month production break so that she could film the full series. And she's not, a, you know, she's on a stick and you can tell she's gone yeah. terribly thin. And she died before it was broadcast. But God, she's good. Yeah, Prunella Scales, isn't it? Is Simon Ooh. Cadell in it? No, no. No, uh, I'm thinking of something else. Who's the dude in it? Uh, Benjamin Whitrow, his name is. No, hang on. Is it Benjamin Whitrow who plays it in the the radio series? Um, why can't I remember this? He's in Tenko. He's in everything. But the, didn't in After Henry didn't the bloke get changed mid through the telly run? No, no. I'm sure no, no. there was someone with Simon because, Cadell because and he died. No, no. Oh, now you're thinking there's a dreadful sitcom with yeah. Simon Cadell and Carol Royal. Is it? I'm going to have to have a Google, mate. Um, for, for both of these things, but no, that's particularly awful. When UK Gold started and they were just churning all of these things out, mm. that was the first time I realised, oh, it's not all gold then. Oh, no. Oh, no. UK poo. Yes. Um. So, Simon Cadell. Here we go. Let's have a look. Simon Cadell with his television roles, and I think it was one of his last ones. Yeah, well... Life I... Without George, it was called. That was after Henry, Life Without George. You see where I'm coming from. Yeah, oh dear. Yeah, starring Carol Royal, uh, Carol Royal and Simon Cadell. It's centred on a young woman's struggle to adapt to life after being left by her partner, George. Yeah. Um, that wasn't funny. Um, no. But, uh, and then, yeah, after Henry, though, it did, it was funny because it, I'm not sure why, because it's cosy as hell, isn't it? It's the coziest <sighs> thing about a rich widow living in, yeah. in a mansion, yeah. basically. And it, I think that set me up with a false idea that that was the sort of house that I would definitely have. This oh, massive, yeah. sort of uh, ivy-covered yeah. thing in Twickenham. That's, oh, I'll have one of those. Oh, we'd I? all like that. Oh, no, turns out that's not the case. I'll tell um, you where I like. I always love the sound of. When you look on a map, when you're going anywhere, mm. and you see, I always love the sound of it, Virginia Waters. Oh. Or is it Water. I think it's Waters, isn't it? Waters, yeah. There's a song by Tyrannosaurus Rex called Chateau in Virginia Waters. Uh, she has a Chateau in Virginia Waters free for all the culture vultures. Mm. But the way he sings it, he gets away with it. You know? Yeah. Free for all those culture vultures. It's oh, brilliant. that's lovely. Now, there we go. Jonathan Newth was the chap. Jonathan oh, Newth, who was then in Tenko and all sorts of things, and Janine Wood as the daughter. I liked her too. And I loved um, the theme music, which was the Three Quarters Blues by George Gershwin. Um, mm. That was and a lovely version of it as well being played. Oh, God, I enjoyed that show. I think it's mostly because I have always, from birth, been deeply in love with Prunella Scales. Oh, I totally. I, I, I have been, and I always will be. I can do nothing mm. about this. Nothing. He is Summit. Mm. And I think I know the answer before I ask it. Did you 
really want to see a series of the Oxo family? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I hated the Oxo family. <laughs> every every single way. I know they... I just knew it. No, I I I hated them. I hated everything about them. I hated Linda Bellingham in it. Michael and I Redfern. Linda Bellingham. I hated him in it, and I love Michael Redfern. I hated their children. I hated everything about the Oxo I know, family. I knew, I knew. I remember. I used to. I used to tape the Oxo family adverts. Why? And put them together, so it was like a TV show. Why would you do that to yourself? It was I awful. Don't know. It was cool, wasn't it? No, it was not cool. When did the Oxo family? Be- <laughs> when have the Oxo? When have the Oxo family ever been cool? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. There was some. There was some. I'm guessing there was good PR. Didn't they do like interviews as the Oxo family? Do you know what I found really unsettling about it? Something just appeared on my computer, a big exclamation mark, and vanished. What's that mean? Am I going to be blown up by by someone? That's worrying, isn't it? Anyway. um... What I, what I found unsettling, there was something unsettling about it. And I didn't work it out for years. But the, the underlying implication was that Redfern and Bellingham were fucking like rabbits all the time, wasn't mm. it? That was the idea you were meant to have, was they yeah. were just having a lot of sex when the yeah. kids weren't in the room. That's right. And so when they popped in, it's like, oh, just making the gravy. That's oh, what all yeah. that noise was. Yes, that's what mm. it was. That, yeah. And I found that a bit unsettling. Didn't yeah. like that. The harder, deeper, faster referred to making the gravy, obviously. Of course, yeah. So, no, I I despised the Oxo family. Everything about it. I know. I know. And when I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But, no, they make me just feel quite quite sick. Well, we had to make do with telling ourselves that they'd split up. uh, And she took up with James Bolham in Second Thoughts. And then, don't forget, faith in the future. Oh, no. Now, where are we then? About 1993, her and Julia Sawala. You know, it's early 90s Thames. Something like that. Terror. Oh, no, it wouldn't be. It'd be Carlton Television by that point. There you go. When everything went wrong. So I did promise we were going to return to Shakespeare. So Oxo family, Shakespeare, there's common ground there, I would yeah. think. Brown liquid. There's brown liquid. Brown liquid. You don't... I used to love Oxo as a drink. And Marmite as a drink. But that's not what they're for. I know, but you could put hot water on them in a mug and it was like a drink, wasn't it? You can put hot water on dog piss. It doesn't make it a drink. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Absolutely not. Anyway, should we talk about the globe? Yes. Let's okay. talk about this, I don't, I don't know anything about this story. Uh, I like it, no. but I don't know what you're going to talk about. No, I, I refuse to tell you it. I said that we'll wait. So I'm going to try and read this. And I want you to just imagine at the end of it how I feel, right? So this is part of a review. Are you ready? I am. Okay, here we go. The casting of the ferocious Francesca Mills, an actor who has a form of dwarfism, as Hermia. And you go, okay, because though she is but little, she is fierce. Okay, I can see that. Uh, has given cause for the Globe to issue warnings over not just the sexist and misogynistic themes employed by Shakespeare, but also the ableist language used in A Midsummer Night's Dream. They are warning people, if you come to A Midsummer Night's Dream, there is ableist language. 
Indeed, as insults are thrown at the lovelorn Hermia, calling her small and dwarfish, and the oft-quoted, though she is little, she is fierce, it brings a startling new breadth and brutality to the text. Right. <clears throat> the lover's fight in A Midsummer Night's Dream is just perfect, okay? It's basically... It's like Shakespearean tis was. It's, it's four people off their tits, shouting at each other, just hurling insults. And I think when I when I did Midsummer, uh, I was I played Lysander in Midsummer, and my favourite line was where she's begging Lysander, "Don't leave me!" And he points and he shouts, "Get you gone, you minimus!" And I I stole from Ian McKellen when he does that, "You shall not pass." And I did it a bit like that, and it get, got a big laugh. And it's just all insults. It's just like hurling insults. But the whole point is that it's funny. Because hmm. then she can do big sad faces. It's comedy. It's not ableist language. It's funny. So, but we've got the fact that we've got to uh, tell people who are coming to the globe that uh, there are sexist and misogynistic themes and ableist language. <laughs> so. If you're listening, you're missing some belting faces. Moving on. Yeah. Uh, the four lovers are given plenty of guts. Yeah. And are far from the usual doleful-eyed sleepy heads, which is what they are in the text, you know. But we should ignore what they are in the text, shouldn't we? Because what we can do with them is this. Mills's Hermia and Isabel Thom's Helena are robust enough to give Vinnie Heaven's Demetrius, I don't think I've seen Vinnie Heaven in much, um, and Sam Crera's Lysander run for their money. Okay? Now remember what I said. This sequence is just pure comedy. It's slapstick. I've seen it done as a food fight. That's what we're talking about. Control and even violence are always sat dangerously close to the edge of the roller coaster love story. Control and violence, that's not what it's about. It's not. It's about a couple of people who accidentally take basically LSD, end up on their tits, and don't know what they're doing. On it's their not tits. About on their tits. It's not about control and violence. It's a dirty. Play. Puck is called Puck because it rhymes with fuck. That's it. So you've got a little sprite called Fuck who's running around spraying his love juice in people's faces. That's the level. That's the level of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Ableist language, though. No. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting so bored of this. So bored of this. Because who wants that? Who, seriously, who wants to watch this? Because if there was a massive audience for this stuff that we're now told we must watch, then something like uh, that RuPaul's Drag Race would mm. be getting 6 million viewers an episode, not 750,000, okay? Right. We're not talking about things which are suddenly massively popularist. They're not. Midsummer Night's Dream is a Midsummer Night's Dream. Why are you trying to say it's about dark, coercive control shit? It isn't. It absolutely mm. is not that. It's a comedy. And I know that the definition of comedy has changed from Shakespeare's time. <coughs> because comedy to us is like comedy. Comedy in that time just meant nobody got murdered and there would be a wedding. There could still be a rape or something. But nobody died and there would be a wedding. Okay? That's a comedy. But it, Midsummer Night's Dream's not about that. It's light-hearted shit for the family. You don't need to go, it's dark, it's this, it's misogyny. 
it's we've got to warn the audience about what they're about to hear. Most they'll be too stupid to understand a word of it anyway. Why are you warning them about that? So they can come in with the book and go, oh, I heard the word minimus. I'm hurt now. I must sue somebody. You should fuck off is what you should do. Well, if your objective is to control um, thought, if you are the thought police, yes. it's, it's all about you've got to control the frame. Yes. And so before anyone's set foot in the theatre, they've been the piece has been framed. I got confused that I thought you were saying I was the thought police, which would be fine. We're saying other people. Mm. That's not fine. Absolutely. Well, by implication, the way you're framing it, yes. they are telling us exactly what the play is all about and exactly its intention before we've seen it, which I suppose is the purpose of theatrical literature, obviously. Only if you get it right. Exactly. Isn't it funny that when we were kids, we learned the word boldlerized? Mmm. You know? And at the time, it was just like, oh, such dark ages. How on earth could people's attitudes shape theatre? Yeah. And here we are again. There you go, yeah, because you've got you've got the boulders, that uh, odd brother and sister couple, basically working their way through and going, oh, they made the, the beast with two backs. Oh, take that out, Murray. That's a bit rude. I'll bet they were at it. Dirty shit. I, <laughs> I've no doubt I've always thought that. I've got a copy of a book um, uh, which was written uh, by them, uh, which is called The Girlhood of Shakespeare's Heroines. And it's all about how lovely they are. And like Juliet, and it's all about her upbringing. And didn't she have a lovely childhood? And so, oh, no. <coughs> you, don't, you don't need to... You don't need to ruin it. It's all right. You can just leave it alone and go, look, it's 400 years old. They'll probably say something which we wouldn't say now. But then in 20 years' time, no doubt we'll be saying stuff now, I certainly will be, which will be thought offensive. So... But no, we, I, I know that we both have def, very different philosophies when it comes to performance anyway. Yeah, yeah. So whereas I'm sort of quite obsessive about getting under the skin and understanding the psychology and knowing about the childhood and all these other bits, what you're after doing is telling a ripping yarn. Yeah, with, I like to get plen- on the stage and roar. And plenty going on. Exactly, lots going on, lots to see, all that sort of thing. The actor can do that, but I've always thought that's just self-indulgent wank because it doesn't help the audience at all, does it? No, well, I mean, like I say, I'm not saying either of us are wrong or right. We've just got those convergent opinions. Yeah, of on course. Performance. Yeah. So, yeah. what 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 is tempting is to take the now, yes. or at least what you believe to be the sort of vocabulary of theatre now, <coughs> and bridle it to what writers did in the past. Precisely. Which is what, I mean, I can't remember, someone made that quote, didn't they? All art exists in three time zones, when it was written, when it's performed, and when it's set. Yeah. Um, and this is an example of when it's performed. It, well, it's exactly. Like, no, this is what they're doing. I mean, but, you, you know, we don't even know who Shakespeare was. Never mind what he was writing. Well, even if you, you're, well, if you're an Oxfordian or a Stratfordian. Well, if you're you Oxfordian, you should go away. You should go away. Um but we don't know who he was as such. We don't know his innermost thoughts. We don't know all these things because it was a long time ago. Yes, we do. All right. Yes, then. we do. We do. I mean, well, we don't. All right, we don't. But we know certain things. You know, you read that the the sonnet which he he writes about uh, about his son. He writes about the son, and then he writes about my son, and outer lack he was, but one hour mine. You know, so we know that he's grieving. 
And this is the thing, isn't it? All this shit that people... All you've got to do is say, what are the events we know that happened? We know his son died there. Oh, all of a sudden, all the plays are a bit sad. There is a definite correlation. So you can see the basics of a man's life being played out through his work. The basics. I'm not saying we know him, but we can see the basics, okay? But I think that to take it and then decide, because of our modern sensibilities, that therefore we must warn people. Well, if you don't know what a Midsummer Night's Dream is, don't go. Okay, because you're too <coughs> stupid to go. And maybe, am I being a cultural snob? I do hope so. But I just don't think that there's any merit in pretending that these are something that they're not. And I think that the Globe Theatre, again, I don't know how many times I've said this, the Globe Theatre, the whole point of Sam Wanamaker creating the Globe Theatre was that so there would be a performance space where they could work out how it was originally done. There are a thousand art centres out there which seat 150 people where you can go oh we've got a Bollywood lesbian version of The Tempest should we put that on yeah because I think about four people will watch that so pop that in the art centre and let's have something in the globe where we actually go this is how they would have done it and set a burr off on stage that's what the globe's for I'd cut the funding Ooh, or take over a splendid rant dear I don't care. That That's annoyed me, actually, because I just think that the moment you go, it brings out the darker side. No, you've created the darker side. It doesn't mm. bring it out because there is a point at the end of the lover's fight where all of the madness falls away and it suddenly does become so serious and you know that there's a pause there and you know that the mood changes. It's in the text. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. But it's again, it's this attempt to bridle the attitudes of the now to the past. I mean, you, you, the example you give of his son dying. Yeah. Um, we have a completely different relationship with death than people in the 17th century had. Oh, God, yeah. Completely different. I mean, death was, you know, a death at one's elbow, as the phrase goes. No, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was much more commonplace. I mean, you couldn't have walked through Billingsgate without seeing someone having their arms and legs ripped off. So... It was around you, but also it wasn't. It wasn't this taboo. It, that's the thing. It wasn't a taboo, but the emotions connected to it. The emotions connected to it would have well, been. Well, people literally present. wore it. Yeah, they would wear. I mean, it survived up until recent times with the black armband, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But people would go into. I don't know. Does this phrase apply? Perda. Yes, it, it does. Yeah, so people would go into Perda. And were black, and there'd be a period of mourning, and it would yeah. be acknowledged, and it would be like, you know, it wasn't a case of, oh, yeah, don't say anything, and da 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 And the next thing, you know, you're buggering off for two weeks in Benidorm. It was like, no, death exists, it has happened, this is the public uh, display of my grief. Yeah. And, and then it's done with, because, like, probably three more people have died by then. Yeah. Well, Whereas, and, and that's, yeah, that's it. So... When it's dealt with in theatre at the time, you know, death causes so much. Hamlet occurs because of a death. If that death hadn't happened, you haven't got that amazing play. You know, so much of it, of it is about confronting death. King Lear is about a man confronting death. Macbeth is about a man who is scared of death. Death is all around them. So sensibilities were different. I think they were a lot more grown up in an awful lot of ways when it came to dealing with things because well, they, they had, had to, be practical. to deal with them. Yeah, they yeah. had to be practical and deal with it. I mean, it's it's just... So that's just one easy example from what you've said, but the, their attitudes to, well, everything were different. Oh, absolutely. There's a wonderful book. Have I got it here? 
Is it? Is it here? Which? Because I'm reading it at the minute. Yeah, I, I. Yes, here it is. Dirty book by Firm Riddell that I recommend. Sex lessons from history. And suddenly, what you realise from reading a book like that, um, and there's an. No, there's a much better one, actually. It's not better, uh, but if you want to sort of narrow your frame of reference a bit more, then um, this uh, Alan Haynes' Sex in Elizabethan England, which is so straightforward and, <laughs> and very to the point. And it basically says to you that people were just an awful lot more open when it came to the dirty stuff because, well, the Victorians hadn't... Well, the, the Puritans first, then the Victorians mm. hadn't come along and sort of gone, don't do that, it's wrong. Yeah. So you had people who just accepted that sex and birth and death were components that made up life, whereas now it's like, well, we don't talk about it. Or we go to self-help groups and we rub each other's knackers while we cry, which I disapprove of. So <laughs> it, it's just... Oh, but we don't need to. I, I fear, I have a genuine fear when the mainstream start to go, let's pander to this minority thing because we've read something on Twitter. Oh, people like that, don't they? Because well, I've seen that got four retweets, so let's do that Is it stage. any different to, let's just say, back when Edward Bond did... Um, is, is it Edward Bond? I don't yeah. know. Well, I probably got it wrong because I'm full of cold. Edward II is the play in it with Regicide. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Bond, who did it in the sixties? Uh, but uh, Bond, uh, well, but no, Bond did Leah, and yeah, Edward the Second. Well, I'm thinking of hang on, because Christopher Marlowe originally. Did oh, is it Howard II. Breton? Anyway, is it any different than Breton and Bond doing things historical pieces in a Brechtian style? Yes, it is because it's completely different because well, they I, I, they made it. Yeah, they're not framing it before. That's it. They they aren't. So say for example, if you look at look at uh, Bond's Lear, all he's done is he's kept the structure, he's kept everything, he's kept the storyline. He's just up. He's just given it this lovely modern dialogue. Well, contemporaneous with the time dialogue, and I have no issue with that because it's standalone as a separate play. Whereas to take the original and go, well, we're going to make it really dark, but the dialogue's not dark. You can say anything so it sounds dark. You can say, I love you, and make it, you know, make it sound as though you're actually saying, I'm going to rip your face off. You can change your voice. But that's not the intent of the meaning. No. And I just think that that is doing a massive disservice, okay? Um, and if you're going to say, we've got a character, and all of these insults are hurled at this character about them being short... Let's get someone with dwarfism. What? Mm. Well, that sort of ruins the joke in a way because we can see that. So by casting that person, you you have made it cruel, and that wasn't the point. That was not the point. So you've done some brilliantly. It could be that what you've got here is the best person for the job audition. I think you. I think they need to send you comps and a car, obviously. Oh yes. And to let you go down there, and I reckon after they'd sort of looked after you for a day, you'd come away. You'd probably have your big scarf on. Mm -hmm. um, you would come away um, loving it. I think so. No. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I think that... I think theatre has got to be careful because theatre is in a perilous state at the moment. You can either go to the West End and pay 300 quid a ticket to watch Maori Parpens, if you wish. You've got that. 
or you've no got... doubt featuring genuine Maoris. Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah, it has to. So you've you've got your three hundred quid there, or you can pay to go and watch something which uh, <laughs> panders to an audience of of you know people who basically seek out offence at mm. every turning. And in the middle of it, you've got what I would think of as being about 65 million people who are going, can we just watch a play? And then we'll go and see it. We're not going to go and watch it if you're going to lecture us and tell us we're wrong in what we think. We're not going to go and watch it if you want basically my week's wages so I can sit down for two hours. Yeah. Put something in the middle. And that's being forgotten at the moment. Um, I, I think it's partly partly down to funding. A lot yeah. of it's down to funding. Yeah, yeah. And box ticking. And there is, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way even. You know, we both know that when it comes to funding, if you aren't ticking those correct boxes, you ain't getting a penny. You might have the best idea in the world. You're not getting it unless you are moving with the zeitgeist. You've, you've Absolutely. got to. And it's, it's, it genuinely worries me because we are going to end up with polarised entertainment. And what, when was the last time that happened? The Victorians. Oh, the poor don't need theatre. They can have music hall. We don't want them to have Shakespeare. Cut all the rude bits out. Make sure it's it's far too expensive for them. They can watch Daisy Daisy and a dog doing a trick. Led to some great stuff, though. It did lead to some great Led stuff. Led to some great stuff. I mean, we might get another Grotowski. Who, uh, we may we may well do, but it also leads to a polarization, and it leads to a strengthening of a rigid class structure, which should be not it should be being no, I agree. taken down. It should be transcend transcendent, but absolutely. Um, so many barriers to entry now for people who ain't got any money uh, for their kids to go to theatre schools, as we know. Oh yes, um, So, so you know, you're going to get uh, telly full of your Benedicts and Gileses and whatnot. Yeah, That's the way it's going to go. Um, yeah. Anyway, but uh, aside from the globe, yeah. I got a nice thing this week, and you won't like it. Go on. Okay. Uh, so, because uh, well, I know that there's a series that you're not too keen on, um, which which I rather like, and I think sounds up the <laughs> 1990s. Here we are. Oh. This life. Yeah, you're not keen on this life, are you? No. Why? Because it's all so bloody twee and cool and, you know, everyone's kind of a cool middle class uh, go-getting youngster and, oh, get stuffed. But no. I, 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 I sort of, back in, like, 97, 98, I mm. sort of had that life for a bit. Yeah, though. well, I was emptying my nan's piss bucket, so, I mean, <laughs> you, can see, you can see right there, can't yeah. you? You can. You uh, know, however, and, and I do think, and I will put my hand up, hold my hand up here, Tom Baker style. Yeah. Uh, I will hold my hand up and say that I'm You've sure... You've never watched it. I, oh, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was a Saturday night, you know what I mean? And um, when you become a no, Kurt... No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it was a Saturday night that I remember distinctly. So when you become a Kurra, mm. and for the... Because there was no internet then. So for the mm. first few months... Because your life stops and you have to yeah, go yeah. home and do all that. And I was, what, 22, 23 or something? Mm. Um, for the first few months, people still do try and get you to, oh, come this club, do this, do that. And you're like, well, I can't because I'm doing this. Yeah. And I remember a Saturday night, as I was emptying the bucket, um, it was just like, fuck, man, no one's asking me anymore. Mm. And it was just like, and I know this uh, this probably does need a, a support group, maybe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so someone can so rub your knackers while you talk someone about it. Someone can rub my knackers while I talk about emptying the piss bucket. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, so it was kind of like, you've got to remember that I'd, I probably should watch it again because when I say it was based upon my resentment at that point in time. Ah, okay. However, resentment which has, has since receded. However, what I would say to you is there is one thing you must not watch because that was 1997. Mm, you know, that you was labor, right in the middle Britpop, of it. Absolutely right there, capturing it. Well, emptying the bucket, I mean. A massive mistake, however, may have been when they decided that there should be a one-off return to This Life Plus Ten. No. Um, now, this were, you'll hate this, okay? Good. So, you've got these characters who were young and just starting out and sort of... Di- yeah! yeah. <laughs> They're doing all that. Ready? Ten years ago, when we left them at Miles and Francesca's wedding... Bet you hate those names... It was chaos as usual for the friends and lovers. Egg sobbed off into the night after discovering Egg. Millie. <laughs> Absolutely not. I like Andrew Lincoln. He was fantastic in Teachers. There you go. So, uh, Egg uh, uh, sobbed off into the night after discovering <laughs> Millie was sleeping with her boss. Sounds about uh, right. Millie, la- <laughs> Millie laid out super bitch, Rachel with a super bright hug. Miles told Anna that he would be calling off the wedding if she told him she loved him. Ferdy was romping with a Jim Deer plumber in a kilt and Warren reappeared um, from his travels. A decade on, so much seems to have changed. Egg, a best-selling writer, and Millie have a three-year-old son. Miles has made a million in boutique hotels. Warren has a life coaching business and Anna is a successful lawyer. Yet when they are given the opportunity to get together again, old tensions are never far from the service and new rival reeves and pressures soon take their toll. It is... Cold feet from, with A-levels. From watching That's this. What it is. From watching this in 2007, I think it was the worst thing I'd seen in my life. But, <coughs> but I couldn't have that. And not the other. And I looked on Amazon. Have neither? No, I already got one. What am I meant to do with that? That's got a WH Smith sticker on it. It's a a sex sticker. Oh, is Uh, it? Good and pay full price. So I looked on Amazon for this and it was 14 quid. No, not paying that. And then yesterday, because I was so full of just... After the week we'd had. So I just... I took a train over to the city just to walk the streets and then I went via the sex shop and there it was, £2.50. And I thought, well, I'm never going to watch it, but it it can sit on the shelf like that. And there's the spines... Oh, they don't align! They don't don't align the spines! They don't. It's like I've got the Steptoe and Son here with the film next to them, you know. Do they align? No. Look at that. Look at that. If it, Network it, had done that, you'd have one big box. You would. Poor Network. Network have gone now, haven't they? Poor Lovely Network, Network DVD. That's, that's such a shame. Uh, speaking of the, um, the transients of fame mm. and money, mm. um, there's been a story this week about uh, the uh, Primal Scream keyboard player, Martin Duffy, who recently passed away. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen this. <coughs> I haven't, no. I, I did by pure chance. I bought uh, a vinyl copy of Screamadelica. Well, uh, um, on which Mr. Duffy's keyboard playing, and let's mm. be honest, Andrew Weatherall's production, uh, are what makes that album, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, Beautiful I mean, stuff. what they did was, as time passed by, um, from what I read the other day, his son Louis, who's 19, 
has written this kind of, I think it's an open letter, but it may be something to do with the inquest into his dad's death, mm. in which he just tells the truth of how Primal Scream treated his dad and how he effectively died with no money. Um, so he was originally, he was a founding member. Mm. And he, he had a writing royalty, he had all this, he had all that. Um, <coughs> and then uh, I think it's about 10, 15 years ago, they just made him a member of the band. He lost all his writing royalties and he was just paid a fee for each gig. And it, it's, it's, they do not come out of it looking <coughs> well. Why did they do that? Well, the story that's going around. So there's a, an article in the Telegraph about it yesterday. Um, <coughs> Oh, yeah, that cold's horrible. Oh, so the general uh, consensus is that Bobby Gillespie, son of a Scots trade unionist who's always tweeting about supporting the striking workers' fur pay and all this, is just a, a monster breadhead. Oh. Who just wanted all the cash for himself. And he did ask them for a loan because he couldn't pay his mortgage, because he couldn't <coughs> work at the time, because he was unwell. Uh, and because of the... Oh, hey, get a drink, lad. Get some pasta on you. Do keep going, I'm so sorry. Uh, and COVID knackered him up for work, obviously, yeah. for a year, 18 months, whatever it might be. Um, and the poor bugger died with nothing. Oh, no God. help from those guys. In fact, quite a lot of hindrance. <coughs> Um, he'd uh, had problems with boozing and stuff like that. They claimed he'd been drunk. Well, he had had a drink before a show right. uh, a few years ago. So then they sacked him. Um, and he's got previous with this as well, Gillespie. Um, I, I should have prepared for this, but um, <coughs> they had um, a female singer. Um, just let me look her up. Really bad form, this, but... Uh, um, Denise Johnson, that's it. <coughs> yeah. And uh, Denise Johnson, who'd also been a big component of the scream sound. I mm. mean, Bobby Gillespie did very little apart <coughs> from a sort of shit Mick Jagger impression, did he? Um, <coughs> Sorry, dear. Do go on. And they did the same job with her. Mm. Cut her out of writing royalties. She didn't get her dues. Um, <coughs> and, uh, <coughs> yeah, an all-round bad egg. Um, <coughs> by gum this is where I've got this cold you exploding in the staff room I know I know <coughs> <laughs> you look like Mr Baxter <coughs> god almighty whereas I look like Jack Headley I realised this week <coughs> not far off yeah I've got his hair <coughs> right uh, do you need us to stop yeah okay yeah oh I'm crying with it mate this isn't good is it Oh, my God. I'm glad I'm not there to <clears throat> catch more of your germs. No, but this is. See, I just had this. <coughs> Tuesday. Huh? Tuesday. Tuesday. For you. Tuesday's when you got oh, this going. Oh, stuffed. I've got Honestly. too much to do. <coughs> oh, I know. I know, but it, it just goes through different stages. At the moment, you feel ropey, and then all of a sudden, it just floors you, and then you go, 24 hours, okay, I feel better. Then the cough starts. I had that dry panel in the throat. Do you get that? Yes. And that's I had where that it last night. I was lying in bed last night. I was like, oh, this is. And I was down in water. Yeah. And it's like it's remaining dry. So about <laughs> half three in the morning, <laughs> I went downstairs and took paracetamol. It's just like, I've got to get to sleep. Mm. Oh, yeah. There we go. Finished. 
Ridiculous. It's that vape, that. Oh, I wish it was. Actually, it might be. Yeah. you got to jib the vape. I am trying. I'm not trying at all. I, I will try. You, some... I know. Get on the Nordic spirits. I've got some, but it's the action. It's the it's the, it's the the gesturing. You can't gesture with one of those. Take that out and wave it in people's faces. Rattle your tin, man. Oh, no. Absolutely not. God, I'm sweating. Speaking of, speaking of the tin men. Yes. I remember there used to be a pub next to the aluminium works. Mm-hmm. And the guys who worked in there would come in when the shift finished about half ten. And they'd start drinking beer. Yeah. And then they'd start sweating because they were <coughs> nailing pint after pint. Because <coughs> yeah. it's hot in the aluminium works. Mm. And that when they sweat, they'd go silver. We Good call them hell. the tin men. Good God. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I'm fascinated. I don't know what to do with the information, but I like it. Aluminium in the pores. You could write a, a thoughtful piece on working class oppression about it. Or you mm. could do something where they're sort of like Cybermen. They get pissed. Yeah. And then they start pushing people around. I'd like that. Yeah. I, I think I'd prefer that to the working class oppression stuff. We <laughs> leave that to the road to Wigan Pier and things like, oh, you can have that over there. With pissed the up Cybermen. Flying. Yes. Uh, but Ugh. yeah, anyway, so that was the, the sad tale of poor Martin Duffy. That's a shame. That is and a shame. And his son's uh, statement, which I consider very brave, hmm. uh, especially he's just lost his dad, who he obviously was super close to, hmm. and was probably a top dad, keyboard yeah. player in a, a band, like, yeah. like a successful band, um, has written this uh, statement as such. Um, and it's just, it, it's quite logical it's it's quite um not so much unemotional but it's it's just facts he's just dump 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 he is this and um yeah it's led to quite the reappraisal of uh you know the arch socialist bobby gillespie Mm. that's it does sort of puts a different light on it doesn't it really Mm. it actually does that's sad Mm. It is sad. It is yeah, sad. It is sad. Because, because uh, Come Together and Loaded and all those Oh, tracks. Loaded. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Which is just sympathy for the devil, though. Yes, really. it is. Um, which is obvious. And, I mean, apart from saying, Ah, yeah. What does Bobby Gillespie do on that track? No, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Uh. So there you go. Andrew I wouldn't have Weatherall. kept all the money for saying, oh, yeah. I, oh, he I, has, though. I wouldn't have done that. Whereas, um, really, the guy to be thanked for that, that album sat, obviously, Andrew Weatherall. Let's mm. be honest. Um, but, yeah, Martin Duffy and Denise Johnson, who did all the cool vocal. Mm. Oh. No cash for you guys. No. Mine. Oh dear. Mm. It's a shame it's, when that it's happens. It's weird, isn't it? It's a real shame, and I don't understand why. I mean, people have cited examples such as the Dubliners had a member who in 1975, I think, had a pretty severe stroke, meaning he couldn't play anymore. Mm. But up until his death, the Dubliners gave him his cut of all the live gigs he couldn't do, which is a lovely touch. That's how it should be, though, isn't it? Shouldn't and it's the same with uh, Richie and the Mannix, isn't it? They set up a, I think it's... It's like a trust fund, isn't it, a trust that it goes fund. into? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is... And Bell yeah. and Sebastian, they, no matter who writes what, it's just all an equal split. Mm-hmm. You know? 
which is uh, so much more straightforward, basically. If if because if one person's not there, you haven't got the combination that makes it work. Therefore, well, it has to have that. One fact you like is that towards the end of Freddie Mercury's life, because you love mm. Queen. Ugh. So they had a meeting where they decided, right, it's just equal shows on everything, no matter who writes what. Um, right. And in the interview, uh, Roger Taylor says, you know, he said, oh, that, that really took all the pressure out of the room. Because mm. uh, I think there'd been a bit of argy-bargy about that over the years. Uh, they could end up with eight quid each instead of it going up. And, and Freddie employed a guy whose job was to go around the world buying him fine art and antiques. You'd like that. Uh, yes, I would like that. Yeah. Yes, I'd like that. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't, however, write dreadful music to do it. I'd write something good. If it enabled you to employ a man to go around the world and buy you fine art and antiques. I still wouldn't have written Bohemian Rhapsody to excuse that. No, I would no. think I would think about what I was doing to people. It's a classic. It's not a classic. It's it about four. Classic. It's not. It's four classics. It needs to decide what it is. You can't no, just go. It does. You can't just go in and put four songs together and just, I don't know, chop from that one to that one. Why didn't you just write four songs? Couldn't be asked, could you, Freddie? No. So you're just going to do a little bit of each one, samples, and then just stick it together and edit. That'll do. I'm guessing or, you're not a fan of the band Yes, then. Not particularly, no. That's a shame. Close no. To the, close to the Edge is a 28-minute masterpiece. Right. Well, who's got that long? Me. I've listened to Close to the Edge many times. Well, I've listened to Tubular Bells many times. Right, well, there you go. Why didn't he just write all different songs? Because that's not the same thing in any way, shape or form. Because ultimately, Tubular Bells is just this beautiful... I mean, it's a work of genius. The He was, what, 21 when he... No, he wasn't. He was younger, wasn't he? 17, old Don't Phil, know. when he did that. I think he was about 17 when he comes up with Tubular Bells. I that's... got uh, given this this week, which what? was a rather nice review... Uh, sh shout out to Mike and Joe at Classic uh -huh. Rock and Prog. Uh -huh. And this month it was oh. uh, Tubular Bells, because there's a rather nice review of the Union Chapel show in here. Who is there? So um, when we met up, I was I was given a copy. Um, yeah, I didn't know they were doing one, but it's, it's a very nice review. Oh, lovely. Thank you, uh, Mike Barnes, for that. Um, but look, there you've got Mike on the front, and there's a set of postcards. Oh, with it. So it must be some anniversary of uh, Tubular Bells. It must be. Americans. I thought it was seventy-two Tubular Bells, but it could be right. It could be seventy-three. Well, there you go. Those postcards that come with it, and they're all. Uh, oh, there he is. Them recording Tubular Bells. Ah, oh, and there's a great bit on it on Ray Shulman, um, the main man in Gentle Giant, uh -huh. who who died uh, recently. It's unforgivable that we didn't cover Ray Shulman. Um, one of the Shulman brothers who founded Gentle Giant. And it's a fantastic piece. Fantastic magazine. It's slipping to John Peel mode there, is it? Lovely. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic read. Go down there and buy yourself a copy. He always got fed up, didn't he, by the end of saying something. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely... It was all a wonderful, fantastic record. You should really rush out and... Well, it's rather crap, really, isn't it? Yeah. It was weird how he lost the enthusiasm as he went through a thing. I miss him. Yes. I used to enjoy him when he would present at Glastonbury. I've never seen somebody look so equally, totally ill-suited to the location whilst completely in the right place. It was odd. Yeah. yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Mm. A, a divisive yeah. figure these days. Oh, who isn't? I imagine I'll be a divisive figure after I'm, well, probably by next week, by the Globe. 
<laughs> when Don't they hear care. This. Make things I want to watch and then you'll be all right. Well, they might say, you think you can do better here. Okay. I know. Right. I will take the, I will take the challenge to the, the Globe Theatre. The gauntlet is thrown down. Uh, I will take the job. I will do something. You will um, be insufferable. Oh, yeah. Insufferable. Oh, yes. Oh, I would be. Mm. Fedora. Yeah, oh, yes. Scarf. Yes. In fact, you'd be down at... Uh, what is it? Uh, I can't think of the... Is it Naveed and Jackson or something like that on uh, Savile Row? Mm-hmm. You'd be down there day one. Oh, I would. Man I from Del Monte outfit, please. Shan't be into lunchtime. I'm going to get measured up for 12 white suits. Oh. Mm. Perfect. And then I would do the whole canon. Dry. Just dry Shakespeare. That's what he wanted you to watch. Yeah. There's no dwarves in this one. Sorry. No, I'm... No. 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 Absolutely not. No. no. Proper move. Won't have it. Carmichael's glow. Oh. You'd like that. Yes, I would. Mm. Yes, I would like that very much, yeah. please. Yeah. If we could sort that. If we could sort that, please. That'd be lovely. Mm. Yes. Well, on that cheering note. Yes. Yes. On that I cheering think, uh, note, you and I have got a lot of work to be cracking on with, haven't we? Forgot about it just for one second. I was in that fantasy world with you shouting at people. Oh. In the full outfit. Full outfit. For Line! Yes. Just from the back of the theatre. Oh, absolutely. And wonderful. Have you ever considered being less shit? Mm. Which I always... It's a, it's a really good note to give actors. When they've done something and they're looking at you, just say, do it again. Just be less shit. And they there's, know what you mean. There's the book. That's all, yeah. Be less shit and act harder. Those are the only two things you they're need the to They're the two volumes. Director. Yes. They're the two volumes of your guide to acting. Absolutely. Be less shit is the training. Act harder is when you're on the stage. Yeah. Yeah. All it needs to Companion be, really. volumes. Mm. Um, one guy we didn't mention, because we yes. don't know a great deal about him, he's a recent discovery, is Brian McGee. Yes. 20th now, century British philosopher. English. Very recent discovery for me. I mean, about four minutes before we started recording when you brought mm. him up. But I'm very fond on this chap. I, I rather like him. Um, he's a magnificent beast, wasn't he? Oh, he looks remarkable. And so you said he had a series, 15 episodes? Two series. Uh, there was one in 1978. His voice is, is just like silk as well. And he came from very humble beginnings, this guy. Hmm. Um, but there's also uh, Miles Bernie to I showed you as well, or Bernie. Hmm. Who a looks belter. a bit like a melted Graham Chapman. A little bit, yeah. yeah. He stuck a wig on his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his two series were uh, 1978, 15 dialogues with noted philosophers for BBC television in a series called Men of Ideas. So Men of Ideas, let's just get this right. This is two men in the two studio. Men. And we've established uh, it's not a big studio. I'm looking at the photos and I'm telling mm. you now, that's Impres 1 a TV centre. Yeah. Tiny little space where the man used. Bill Giles would have been in there sticking well, his magnetic symbols up. This tells you how different the world was back then. So in 1978, when he presented 15 dialogues with noted philosophers entitled Men of Ideas. Well, firstly, it wouldn't be called Men of Ideas these days. Oh, no. Um, the Daily Telegraph said it achieved the near impossible feat of presenting to a mass audience recondite issues of philosophy without compromising intellectual integrity or losing ratings and attracted a steady one million viewers per show. Oh. For two men sitting on a 
Carderai couch. Oh. Wearing Carderai. Yeah. Um, so he did that, and in 1987, because back then it was like, yes, I'll do a second series. I need nine years. Absolutely. To, to get it spot on. Yeah. So um, the Great Philosophers followed in 1987. The lapels are uh, obviously narrower. Uh, the ties tied without a jumbo knot, but it's still it's got that sort of um, great look about it. It's got a great patina or patina as they say these days. Extensively revised versions of the dialogues were published in a book published. Oh, Mother Mocustard Cringe. <laughs> um, um, were published in a book uh, of the same name that was published the same year. McGee's nineteen ninety eight book, The Story of Thought. Oh. But this guy, um, he, Brian McGee, born of working class parents in Hoxton, London in 1930. Mm. Uh, he was brought up in a flat above the family clothing shop, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and he was uh, London's council, uh, county council scholarship. Um, Intelligence Corps <coughs> in the National Service. Um, and then became a fellow at Keeble College. That's a trajectory that wouldn't happen today. Oh, God, no. I'm all in favour of national service now. I'm too old to do it. I am. Ever since that person knocked on my window. <laughs> well, that must go, be a so year ago. You must investigate Brian McGee. I will do. I shall be watching Men of Ideas. Yeah, <laughs> shall... it's all on YouTube. Here we go again. Right. Blimey. Oh, God, oh. is this my future? This is your future. This is your Tuesday, dear. I feel like uh, Jenny in episode one of The Survivors watching a mate die in bed. Oh, God, it's yeah. Like, oh, no. <coughs> it's like that. And it's on its way for you, dear. Or you'll oh. just have to have Telfrin Thomas touch you up. The, the young sing have something. You'll see. I bloody hope so. Incidentally, yeah. notice this week. Um, Survivors, lovely theme music by um, Anthony Isaac. The Omega Factor, lovely opening music by... Anthony Isaac. Is it re that music is fantastic on the it's only the same factor. composer. There we right. go. Right, it is belting music. That <coughs> it is. Ah, oh, wonderful. I've stuff. not watched beyond the first two, thanks to all the work. Mm. I watched number three last night, and God, it's good. Yeah. Oh, you need more of that. But I do not need for about more of a that. week. But V Betalt the man. Mm. Via man, very yes. Nine is it eight of those or nine of those? Eight of those to get oh, through. Oh, but he got two to go then. Ah, oh, there you go. You'll get there. But I love yes. how this the episodes. It's like well, there's one about a a boat race, dinghy race. Yeah, but it's not about that at all. No, because it started off. I thought, oh no, I don't want to watch a episode about guys racing. No, it's no. just boring. Yeah, and then it's not about that at all. No, it's not. Michael J. Bird would never just do that to you. He Michael definitely had more time to write this than he did the Lotus Eaters. Oh, I think, well, it's what? This is 78. So yeah. he's refined in himself. He's refined yeah. his skills <coughs> while sat on a beach in Crete drinking racky, I imagine. That sounds rubbish, doesn't it? Doesn't it? That'd be awful, wouldn't it? I've done my two series and I'm going to sit off for five years and I'll write another one. Hmm. <sighs> hmm. I'd get the Michael wrong. J. Bird book, Bud. Bud, man. A Jimmy Neil. Um, but there's no time to read it. No. I've got a stack of shit. Yes. Anyway, we've yeah. done some whinging. Oh, today. yes. Well, it's too hot. So, absolutely. Whinging, the... moaning, and being ill. 
when the weather's nice, British men moan and are ill. That's what happens. So I think I've fulfilled the brief there. There's a great track by the Beatles about all this B-side to paperback writer called Rain. Do you know it? No, I don't. Oh, cracking story. When the rain comes, they run and hide their heads. They might as well be dead when the rain comes. When the sun shines, they run into the shade and drink their lemonade when the sun shines. And it's just about we moan, no matter what the weather is. Yes. And it's an interesting uh, track because they broke into the studio, so the legend goes, to play the first verse backwards over the closing um, strains of it. Oh. And uh, apparently it's the first time backwards stuff is used in a record. Right. Mm. There you go. Well, well done, the Beatles. Mm. Why did they have to break in to do that? Surely, well, what year is this? About 66, 1966. I, I would imagine by then that they would have been able to say, put that bit on backwards. Why do you want to do that? Because I'm John Lennon. Fair enough. I don't well, think I, they needed to break in. Like I say, that's the story. I th- I, f- yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think Lennon would have been pissed and upside down behind the telly by 10 o'clock at night. I would think so, yes. Mm, I yeah. would be. Yes. Anyway. Yes. That's <sighs> all. That's all there is. Is yeah. that all there is? At the moment, yeah, you're lucky to have got this. Bloody hell. What was the text again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've, man. It? It'll be miles back now. Oh, oh. no, it's here. Yeah. I think, I think that you need to deliver this. I think, I think, here you go, you can learn some lines. Go on. I think after the last few weeks, I've very little to give. So you can close the show with that. I think after the last few weeks, I've very little to give. So we hope you enjoyed whatever that was. And um, we hope you have a lovely week. And until the next time. I think after the last few weeks, I've very little left to give. (sighs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production. <laughs>